Today's message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching for Mother's Day. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. You are enough. You are beautiful. You are killing it. You are a warrior. And you are winning this war. Well, happy Mother's Day across all the campuses. Moms, do you not love having a day that's all about you? That's it. It's your day all about you. And so what I'd like to do today, if you'll allow me, is I'd like to offer a prayer over you who are moms and really over all the women if you'll receive it. And it's, in a sense, it's a, it's a prayer of God's blessing, for God's blessing over you. That God would help you get life right. Not almost right, but get life right, because in that is God's great freedom for God's great blessing. I think that's what David had in mind in Psalm 1. Check this out on the screen. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who do not follow the example of sinners, or join those who have no use for God. Instead... They find joy in obeying the law, that is the wisdom of the Lord. And they study it day and night. They are like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. David's painting a picture here. And, and this picture is, is that if you get life right, you, you get the wisdom, the way, the will of God. You're, you're kind of like a, a tree planted by streams of water. It nurtures and, 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 and it blossoms. And it's just a beautiful picture. Now, nobody does life perfectly. I mean, we'd love to, but we all mess up. We make mistakes. We stumble. Many times we'll stumble into sin. Honestly, sometimes we run right into it willfully. But thank God he's a God of second chances. Yeah? I mean, who is like our God? In fact, let's make sure we're all on the same page across campuses and online. How many of you will just admit there's been a time in your life when you've needed a second chance from God and others? Okay? Hand up. Now, just hit again so we're not confused. And how many of you think you're going to need another second chance somewhere down the road? Yeah, that's the other hand. So we all get that. But while there's something to be said for God giving you a second chance, listen... There's something to be said for taking full advantage of a second chance. Making good on it. Instead of cycling in the same foolishness when God gives you his wisdom and gives you a fresh start, take full advantage. Get life right. Not almost right, but get it right. So I'd like to offer a prayer. And then at the close, I want to pray the prayer uh, over all of you moms, women who would receive it. But right now I'm going to offer the prayer and you'll see the first part of the prayer is in your teaching notes. So grab your bulletin, take a look on the back. The first paragraph of the prayer is printed there for you. There is more to the prayer and I'm going to read the whole prayer, but you can at least uh, visually see the first portion of it. I pray that you would be women of prayer. So that you would be a rebel for God in this godless world. That you would live for Christ in a world that lives for self. That you would cause trouble for Satan and advance the kingdom of God at home, in the church, and wherever God places you on the map. I pray that you would be women of prayer. So that God's word would continually awaken you to true wisdom. 
And if you are single, that Christ would be your first love. That you'd leverage your single life for God's work, living pure and on purpose. And that if and when you marry, it would be a man after God's heart. And if you are married, that Christ would be the source of loving your husband. And that you would carry a spirit of peace over a spirit of contention into your home. And, and if you have children, that you would pour into them as your first career. Whatever else you do in the marketplace that your kids would be poured into and prayed over like Mary, the mother of Jesus, like Mary prayed into, poured into and prayed over Jesus. See, I would pray that you'd be women of prayer. That all worry and fear would find rest in God. That any bitterness or wounds would be healed through God. That your sense of womanhood would be formed and fueled by God and that your life would be blessed under God. I would pray for you to become women of prayer because in that, you discover the wisdom, the will, and the way of God, and if you'll walk in it, you get life right. Not almost right, but that you would get life right because almost right is filled with problems and breakdowns. Several years back, my father-in-law, Marsha's dad, was visiting with us from Michigan. And he was borrowing Marsha's car, and he was out running errands. And on that day, over lunch, I was with a friend, kind of a business meeting out at a restaurant. And when he and I were traveling back, he was driving. When we were traveling back, as circumstance would have it, we pulled up to a light, a long left turn, and the car in front of me was my wife's car with my father-in-law in it. And I thought, you know what, this would be a great time to, to do a little prank. Uh, why, why don't I carjack him? Uh, because that's kind of Atlanta. He might as well experience it a little bit, and uh, I'll give him a heart attack. So I'm telling my friend, oh, I'm going to do this. He's like, you really think that's a good idea? I think it's an awesome idea. We'll laugh. I'll have a story. It'll be fantastic. So I literally just, no more thought than that. I jump out of the car. I run to the passenger side of his car. I whip open the car. This is a carjacking. I'm, it's awesome. He's, he's, he's terrified. It's, 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 good. It's, a, it's a surprising great moment. I run back to the car. I jump in the car. My friend says, how'd it go? Did, did, did you surprise him? Did he have a heart attack? I said, yeah, I surprised him. I said, but um, I had the heart attack. It wasn't my father-in-law. <laughs> no, I kid you not. I can't make this up. It, I have no idea who it was. He said, how on earth do you get that wrong? I'm like, dude, I don't know. Because like, it is my wife's exact car, make, model, year, color. That's her dad. I mean, it looks like him. And it's, I only knew half of my wife's license plate. And it, was, it matched that half. Apparently not the other half. I was almost right. He said, what happened? I said, I opened the door and said, it's a carjacking. Oh, my God. I, I just I terrified myself. I terrified him. I'm like, you're not my father-in-law. Who are you? He said, who are you? I said, I'm sorry. I thought you were somebody else. I got to go. And I slammed the door. And, I, and then I ran back. And I'm like, oh, dear God, I hope he never goes to 12 Stone. I'm like, because what am I ever going to do? Like, God, may we reach everybody in Gwinnett County except that guy. I don't... <laughs> Reach that guy through some other church. I, I've never met him since. I don't ever want to meet him. I'm just, oh, that was dumb. I mean, almost right. Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, got life right as a woman of prayer. I want us to pause and look at her 
life. A couple of slices. Actually, Dr. Luke, who authored the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, gives us the first picture in Mary's life and the last biblical picture we have of Mary's life. And it's found in Luke 1 and Acts 1. Grab your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 1, and let's take a moment to sit in her story to set up a couple of convictions we want to go after. Luke chapter 1, page 1,000. 25, page 1025. Your Bible's right underneath your chair. Pull out your Bible. Check it out. And, and as you do, let me just add something here. Mary, as you know or might know, uh, was a virgin, pledged to be married to Joseph. She was about 15 years old. Some believe she might have been 16. Some believe she might have been 13, 14. Age was different at that time as to when they got married, betrothed to be married. And, and so she was a virgin, and, and God came to her and said, I'd, I'd like you to carry Jesus into the world. And she said, yes, she was obedient. Now, I want to pause here and just say something. God's ask of Mary is God's ask of everyone who is in relationship with God through Jesus. Listen, God asks all of us to carry Jesus into the world. For her, it was physically, literally, to be his mother. But, but, but God asks, if you're a follower of Christ, God asks every one of us to be on map, on mission, live sent, and we carry Christ into the world. And our answer should be the same as Mary's, yes. Now, in Luke chapter one, we have a hint as to who Mary is. Which, by the way, in this whole chapter, we, we discover things about her. Things like she got purity right at a young age. She got obedience right at a young age. She got prayer right at a young age. She got praising God right at a young age. Look, look at chap chapter 1. Verse 46. This is just a couple of verses. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. This, this, this is her praise to God in his kindness and mercy to her. You can read the whole thing. It, it, it's, well, magnificent, <laughs> See, Mary got so many things right early. If you're young, get things right early. It frees the blessing of God over your life. She got prayer right early. By the way, if you aren't getting prayer and praise or obedience or purity right early, good news is God gives second chances. Accept your second chance and forgiveness and then get life right and don't cycle in foolishness. Now that's the first glimpse of Mary's life. Go over to Acts chapter one. Just go a few pages later. Acts chapter one, page 1090, page 1090. Page 1090, we, we have the last reference to her in scripture and, and it paints another picture. Now this is in the upper room and this is some years later. In fact, Mary is 49 to 50 years old in this scripture. It's been a while. And this is after Jesus voluntarily dies on the cross. Of course, all the world, the Romans and, and, and the Jewish leaders think they're done with Jesus. He's done. We, we killed him. We buried him. But he rose from the dead. And so not, not even the disciples understood all that God had in mind. But Jesus was giving his life, rising from the dead, conquering sin and death, so that we could have a second chance, a fresh start, and be restored to God. How amazing. How awesome. 
And then Jesus told them, now go into the upper room, go into this place, and for a season of time pray, and stay in a place of concentrated prayer and waiting. Prayer is significant. It releases the kingdom of God. And what do we read in the middle of this story of those who are gathered? Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer. In what, everybody? Prayer. Say it again. In what? Prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What we see this woman of prayer thing is woven in her life. And there's a couple of convictions I want to offer to you. Jot them down. The first one's in your note. It matters who prays. Jot it down. It matters who prays. In fact, everybody here and across campuses, say it out loud so I know that we're hearing it. On the count of three, say it matters who prays. One, two, three. It matters who prays. And if you didn't get it yet, just say it to your neighbor. Just look at your neighbor and say, he just said, it matters who prays. Tell your neighbor, it matters who prays. Make sure we're all hearing it. And, and here's what I want to go after. Sometimes I hear people talk about this, and, and, and they, they, they kind of get this idea when it comes to prayer, i got to go get somebody to pray for me. Now, hang on, pause, time out. I don't want to undo anything we've already taught and learned in prayer. I'm not going to undo the value of other people praying with you and for you. I know that there are some people who you feel like have Moses-like kind of access to God because they live a, a righteous life, etc. I'm, I'm not discounting any of it. I want to add to your thinking. Say with me. I think it matters who prays. Keep listening. I think it matters that Mary prayed over Jesus because that's who God chose to be Jesus' mother. I think her prayers mattered. Stay with me. I already offered this in the opening prayer. Here's one of the slices of it. I said, and if you have children, that you would pour into them as your first career. Whatever else you do in the marketplace, that your kids would be poured into and prayed over like Mary poured into and prayed over Jesus. Why does it matter who prays? Let me put something on the screen. You might even want to jot this down because I want you to wrestle with it. This for some years now has been kind of sitting in the back of my craw and been stirring in faith and wrestling through scripture. And here's some of the thoughts. Where God gives you responsibility, he gives you authority. Jot that down. Think about that. Where God gives you responsibility, he gives you authority. Where he has given you first responsibility, he hears you first. Where God entrusts you, he hears you most. Your prayers matter. We'll leave that up there for a second so you can get it down. I think there's something to this. I think it matters who prays. In other words, I think that where God gives you responsibility, he gives you authority. Therefore, it matters that you pray in the area where God has entrusted something to you. I think perhaps where God's given you first responsibility, he might hear you first, if not hear you most. Therefore, the fact that Mary was entrusted with Jesus, her prayers mattered. Your prayers, it matters that you pray over the things, the relationships, the responsibilities. Let me be more practical. For Marsha and I, when we planted 12 Stone, we feel like God called us to plant 12 Stone 30 years ago. And because it was to be birthed by God allowing us to be a part of it through us, we are the ones, I think, who should lead in prayer. What I mean by that is our prayers matter. I don't simply say, well, everybody else needs to pray. It doesn't matter if we pray. No, it matters. And we've been praying together for years, continue to, over 12 stone, because that's where God has given us authority, responsibility, and we pray. I pray over our marriage. She prays over our marriage because it's ours. God's given us responsibility for that. The way we pray over our kids. 
matters. The way she prays over her kids matters because that's where God's given us first responsibility and where he gives you responsibility, he gives you authority. Where he gives you authority, where he gives you entrustment. I think he hears you first, if not hears you most. Your prayers matter. And in other words, I want to help undo this idea where you might underestimate, underestimate your prayers. Do not underestimate prayer where you have been entrusted by God. Rethink this. Moms, maybe, maybe your prayers are the most important prayers over your kids, over your marriage. Maybe it really matters who prays. Now let's not pretend that this was an easy road for Mary. She was a mom. Oh, I know. She, she had the perfect child. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is your baby. Go to sleep now. He sleeps. Wake up now. He wakes up. Do what mommy says. Okay. I mean, you, you, if Jesus was your baby, you'd write a book. How I Raised the Perfect Child. <laughs> but did you know, did you know that she raised at least seven children? Did you know that? Scripture gives us the names of Jesus' four younger brothers and that he had sisters, which means at least two, which means Mary had a lot of reason to pray. <laughs> and no doubt they gave her gray hairs. I'm sure by the time she hit the upper room, she had plenty of gray hairs, which brings me to a little story that made me smile. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it still makes me smile. One day, a little girl was sitting and watching her mother do the dishes at the kitchen sink. She noticed that her mother had several strands of white hair sticking out in contrast to her brunette hair. So she asks, why are some of your hairs white, Mom? And her mother replied, well, honey, every time you do something wrong that makes me cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turns white. And the little girl pondered this. She thought about it for a while and then asked, Mama, how come all of Grandma's hairs are white? <laughs> I know. Boom, boom. Still funny. <laughs> See, God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, and therefore, listen, God chose the prayer warrior over Jesus. You moms have been chosen to be the mom of the very kids God's entrusted to you. His kids, your kids. You are therefore the prayer warrior, if not the first prayer warrior, over their lives. So I would pray that you'd become women of prayer. Matters. Heather Semple is a friend of mine. She's the lead pastor at a church in Wisconsin. And Heather has three children. Her husband is a worship leader there at the church. They do ministry together. And about a year ago, she shared with me a story that I asked her to share for us so that you would hear it. It's a story to a season of time while God has been growing the church uh, significantly and immensely. Uh, they have run out of room, and so they moved the prayer team out of the building uh, that pray over the service while it's happening and put them in an RV <laughs> in, the, in the parking lot. And there was a season of time where, where 
it just seemed to her that God, God was saying that, that, that let this team bring the prayer requests and, and issues and things that God was stirring in that, in that prayer moment during the service and then bring that list to, to, to uh, Heather at the close of the service. And she would share it and say, look, these are the kind of words from the Lord that are coming to us that I believe God wants to, to do in ministry that God wants to accomplish. And so uh, you get something of the word of God and uh, words from God and I'll share them. And... and, and and they did that, and on this particular moment, it was a collision of her praying as a, as a spiritual uh, leader and what God was doing in the kingdom, but simultaneously praying as a mom, and it came together in one story. I asked her to share the story. In fact, we're going to enter in and interrupt the story immediately, just right at the point where she's on stage, and, and those prayer requests at the close of the service are coming to her in kind of declarations from God, and I want you to hear her heart in prayer, particularly as it moves into being a mom. Listen in. And I'm standing on the stage and one of our pastors hands me this list and I look at it and there were at least 20 statements. Uh, you know, God said declarations and I start scanning them and looking at them and I'm thinking to myself, this is insane. Like, there are um, physical issues, there's, there's marital things, there are parenting and kids things, and I mean, so specific. And some of them are really big. And I'm thinking, uh, this is not good, uh, because if I say these things, and God, you don't show up, I don't even know what's gonna happen in this room right now. I don't know what's coming to the faith of people. I don't know, I don't know what this is. It felt like the biggest uh, obedient risk of my life, of my work, of my leadership. I'm looking down the list and I get to the bottom of the list and there's my daughter's name. And she has an unusual name. So I knew I knew who it was talking about. Eileen, my daughter, was in middle school at the time, and she had been experiencing some pretty intense bullying. A lot of things, most of them having to do with her appearance or um, that she was ugly. Some of it was, you know, she wasn't smart or she was stupid. And, you know, she was coming home every day, and I felt like, Every day at four o'clock, I was trying to put the pieces of my daughter back together. I was watching people's words become more powerful to her than even mine or her dad's or God's. Like they were becoming so powerful for her. And so I started praying really specifically that God would speak to Eileen uniquely. Like, in a way that she would really believe. She's a thinker. She's uh, very logical, very rational. And I just desperately was crying out to God and writing and journaling and all of that, that he, would, that he would talk to her. So when I'm standing there on stage in front of all these people and I'm the pastor, right? So I'm leading this room. And I get to the bottom and there's my daughter's name. And it says, 
Ailey, God wants you to know that you are beautiful. What I knew in a single moment is that God was saying, Heather, I see you, I hear you, I see your daughter, you're both my daughters, and I love you both more than you could ever imagine. So my husband was leading worship. Um, He was kind of back to my right, and I stopped everything, and I walked back to him on stage, and I showed him what was there, and he was just taken over, and I knew that I could then step forward and deliver the words that God had given for the people in the church that day and that God was gonna move. I felt, it was an odd thing. I felt very much like a little girl, um, you know, being led by her dad. But I certainly felt like a very strong woman that had been called to a task. It's like simultaneously. And I, it was a moment that forever changed me. I got to sit with my daughter and show her words that I didn't write, that God delivered to these people out in the RV who I never told, never said anything to about Eileen's struggle or this story or like I never, I didn't preemptively set that up. No one had any idea but our family. I pray differently now. Um, you know, it's so funny because you think you believe something. You think you believe something. I believe in God. I mean, I believe that God does miraculous things. I believe that God moves. I believe that um, God wants to draw people to himself. I believe all of these things. But when... But when God so uniquely speaks to you in a way that you've actually asked for, first you realize how much you doubted and you didn't believe, and then you realize how much you need, how much you do, and your faith is forever changed. So now, Eileen's, you know, it's been, you know, over a year since that happened, and. She is, um, she's extraordinary. And is everything perfect? No, is her, you know, 15-year-old self-confidence, does it never waver? Well, no, Uh, but she's not who she was then. And she knows that God talked to her. More than being a pastor and more than being a parent, Um, I will always and forever be his daughter. That he will always want and chase after intimacy with me. And the more I live and lean into that, of just living like his daughter, the more I experience his power in my parenting and in my pastoring. And that's, that's just the truth of it. 
So thank you, Heather. Let's just thank her for taking a moment to share the story and stir in us. And why I would say, I, I pray that you would become women of prayer. When, when she said, I was desperately crying out over my daughter. I mean, I think that's part of God's calling. It matters who prays and that you would know what burdens your kids and you would be engaged in them and you would bring them before God and your prayers over them matter to God. In fact, many times in our household, I prayed at the doors of my kids at night when they're asleep and sometimes walk the very places where I want to see God move because prayer moves the hand of God to move things on earth. God's ordained it that prayer would be part of that connection, intimacy with him. But the shaping of things on earth, we're invited into this with God. And that you would not only pray over your kids, but you pray over your marriage. By the way, if you don't know what to pray over your marriage, let me give you some. Look on the screen. James chapter 1, verse 19. This is a scripture you want to be able to pray, pray over your marriage, over your family. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's like a motto for marriage and for family. If like you need a prayer to kind of put over your marriage and your family, there it is. Because what do we tend to be? We tend to be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. And so when you pray over your marriage, pray over your family, pray over what God's building, you want that to be kind of the motto, if not the model, of what God is building. And prayer sits at the center because God sits at the center. It matters who prays. There's a second conviction. Jot it down. God grants trampled ground. God grants trampled ground. And to unpack this, I'm going to ask my friend Chris Morgan to come on out. So Chris, worship leader at 12, so we've been doing this for a long time. Give it up for Chris. Chris could come hang with us for a bit, have a little conversation. <laughs> you don't have a guitar in your hand. I know, that's, right? a, that's a strange moment. A little but, bit lost. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing this together, ministry, for probably a couple of decades now, and uh, you were the one that brought this statement uh, to mind, God grants trample ground. Where did that come from? It comes from a story. Uh, in 2003, that was a rough year, Mary and my wife got sick that year, and it was very disruptive. Life did not move as normal. Uh, she was in pain every day. And of course, we went to the doctors and they were great. They did everything they, they knew to do. Uh, but at some point, you know, we realized that they didn't have the solution for healing for her. Uh, they could help us manage systems, but I mean, uh, uh, symptoms, but really it was, we were at a little bit of a, a stalemate. And of course, we, we prayed. Uh, we prayed daily, sometimes more than one time in a day. And we would, days would turn into weeks and weeks turned into months and Honestly, it was a, you know, we were praying for healing. So, I mean, yeah. it was a, a frustrating journey. In fact, many times we gathered together, groups of us, and prayed over her and laid on hands and asked God to do just a, a really substantial work of his hand over. It was a, it was a complicated, yeah. weighty season for you guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you find yourself asking the question, why doesn't this work, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's so frustrating. But if you fast forward to the end of that year, so it had been almost a year, and uh, we were going to have a night of worship. Uh, this was back when we were in the old building, the Edwards Center. And so I went out in the middle of the afternoon to pray just to get ready for the night of worship. And uh, so I came out to the prayer trails, which the prayer trails used to be right where you're sitting, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, there was a big pile of woods here and a lot of trails, and that's where we would go to pray. And so uh, I walked out to the trailhead, and when I did, I looked at this particular uh, opening trail, and 
it looked like to me that a lot of people had been out there. Like it was more worn down than what I remember it being from the last time I'd been out there. And so, but when I saw that, the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said this, he said, God grants trample ground. Now what I can't tell you is how I knew that when God said that to me that it meant that Marianne was gonna be healed, that she was gonna recover. And so I was obviously happy about that. I actually came back and started telling some people and just speaking in faith that I believed that that was what was gonna happen. And sure enough, no more than 30 days later, uh, you know, her symptoms begin to subside. And I remember the day that the doctor walked into the office and he said, she is entirely normal. And I'm gonna tell you, I was happy. Yeah. I was happy to have my marriage back, my life back, my wife back. And we rejoiced in that, yeah. but we were also marked, like spiritually we were marked, the fact that God spoke this idea that God grants trampled ground, and it was something that just sat in us. Well, we should pause right here. Every time God answers prayer, is that not worthy of just a thank you, God, praise God? Because it's still awesome when he does a work like that. But that's not where, where it ended. I mean, that was 15 years ago, and, and yet this has gained more traction, not less traction, in your life. So, so talk about that. How, how has this stuff marked you since? Yeah, it was at least a couple of things. One is perseverance. You know, we realized that perseverance is actually part of God's economy for prayer. That when you pray, and then you pray, and then you pray, and then you pray, and then you pray again, and you pray again, and then you pray some more. That while that is frustrating for us perhaps, that what we call frustration, God calls prescription. That this is actually the way he wired it to work. And when that began to settle in our hearts, well when you, you know, we begin to see it in scripture now. We, you, and it's all over the place. You know, you can't really miss it. Jesus taught his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. He taught us to pray, he said ask. Uh -huh and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking until you wear out a path between your heart and God's and you'll find. He said knock, but don't knock politely, knock loudly and the door will be open. And so, you know, perseverance was one of the things. Yeah. There was a second one and this one is, is continuing to grow in our hearts as well, but it's this idea, this question of who am I as a praying person. Like, how I see myself in prayer affects how I pray. That when God invites me to pray, what's the size of the invitation? What are my rights, privileges, responsibilities? What's my identity in that place? What's my authority in that place? That as God stretches his hand and he invites me and you to pray, well, what's the size of the prayer? Uh -huh. Can we pray anything? Is anything too big? Should I pray boldly? Should I pray meekly? Should I tread lightly? And so I think how we see ourselves in prayer affects how we actually pray. Now one of the ways that, that we might be able to talk about that that would help it make more sense is if you remember like when you and I were kids in school, you know, if you were in the hallway during class time and you had a hall pass, Oh, that's old school, man. That's old school. That's old school. Uh, does that happen anymore? I don't even. I don't know. I don't even. How many of you remember a hall pass at school? Like you do need. Maybe you still do. I don't. I don't know. Okay, but we did then. Yeah. Right on. And so, if you had a hall pass, 
and it was during class time, you didn't care. You walk right down the middle of the hallway, right? Principal comes by, you're like, what's up, you know? <laughs> Show them the hall pass. You're legal. You have a right to be there. If you don't have a hall pass, now you're a prowler. Stowaway. Bouncing from locker to locker, you know, looking around the corner. Why? To make sure you don't get caught. Why? Because you're illegal. Why? Because you don't have a hall pass. So, whether or not you have a hall pass affects how you walk the halls in that situation. Similarly, how you see your rights and privileges in prayer, who you perceive yourself to be before God in prayer affects how you pray. And it wasn't that long ago I was journaling through uh, Psalms. And I came to Psalm 8, and this is, I saw this right in the middle of, of that psalm. It says this. It says, who is man that you are mindful of him? And when I read that, I went like, well, that's what I want to know. God, who is man that you are mindful of him? Furthermore, who am I that you would hear me and hear my prayer and answer those prayers? Well, when I saw that in Psalm 8, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to bounce back to Genesis, and I'm just going to see uh, at the point where we, our kind, was actually created. Is there any clues? Is there anything there that would suggest who we are and how we might think about prayer? Well, Genesis 1.26 says, let us make man in our image, and according to our likeness, let him rule. So I studied that up a little bit and I look at this idea of image and us being made in God's image is a little bit like if you took your hand and you shined a light over it, it would cast a shadow. Mm -hmm. It would cast a shadow on the floor, maybe on a table, and when you looked at that shadow, it would exactly represent the hand. It would be a little bit less than the hand, but it would look just like the hand. And in the same way, in our essence, we are like God. He made us in his image. I think, and I thought then, that's a pretty significant upgrade. <laughs> that when I, when I consider myself in those terms, my invitation to prayer, maybe it's larger than I thought. But it doesn't stop there. It says, in, 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 it said he made us in his image. It said, in our likeness, let him rule. Well, I looked up that word rule, and it means to tread. Uh -huh. So it means to take things and put them under your feet, to have dominion over. And so who is it? Who am I that God would be mindful of me? Well, I was made in his image, and he made us to rule. So all along, you know, my identity is increasing. And as we already said, if your identity increases, so will your prayers. So then I just jumped back to Psalm 8, and I thought, well, let's, let's finish looking at this. And it says, I, I, what I found is in, is in Psalm 8, it actually recaps what Genesis has already said. It says, who is man that you are mindful of him? Well, you made him a little bit lower than the angels. Which is actually God, a, a name for God. A That's lower correct. Than God. When you look at the name that was translated in the NIV, angels, it's actually Elohim. That's a name for God. So literally, we were made a little bit mm -hmm. lower than God. It says we were crowned with glory and splendor, and we were made to rule over the works of his hands. So who is man that you are mindful of him? We were made to rule over the works of his hands. I think that's a significant upgrade in identity as we think about who we are as praying individuals. And so if I were kind of uh, boiling all that down to a thought, it would be something like this. I don't think we pray small and weak prayers because we don't think God can. I think we, we, uh, 
We pray small and weak or we pray we lack courage in our prayers because of how we answer the question, who is man that you are mindful of him? More uh, directly, who am I? Who am I personally that God would hear my prayers and that he would answer me? If I see myself small, I will pray small. But here's the thing, that's not what the scriptures say. And that's the point, right? What is the scripture? How does the scripture identify me? The scriptures actually invite an ever-increasing identity between you and God, and that as it increases, you pray more boldly, you pray with more faith, and as you do, you actually release the kingdom of God to operate around you and operate through you. But that's not how we naturally see God. We see him as cautious. We see him on the other end of our prayers going like, whoa, 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 hold up there, buddy. As if he's shutting it down and right. saying you're pushing too That's right. far. That's right. Like he's going to run out of resources yeah. or something, you know, like we only got so much to go around here. <laughs> you already got your share. And so, so God planted something in my heart when he said God grants trample ground. And it's been expanding ever since, really, all the way up to this very day. But that shouldn't surprise us. Scripture says of the... It says about Jesus and his kingdom, it says, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. So why should it surprise me that the increase of his kingdom is happening behind the walls of my chest and behind the walls of your chest? And isn't that why we're here today and we would talk about something so important as how to pray? I know this. I had my fill of praying what felt like ineffective prayers, you know. I don't wanna pray and see nothing happen. Neither do you. And so, uh, I would just say, I wanna live up to the size of the invitation that God has given us, and I wanna live the adventure that I feel like God has extended uh, in his kingdom to us. So now you met Chris the preacher, huh? Come on, thank you, my brother. The stuff that God stirs. And so now you know why I would pray that God would, would make you women of prayer. In fact, I've asked the campus pastors to offer that prayer over you as part of the close of this moment together, and it's sacred. And maybe you would embrace the challenge to double down on prayer. Maybe now you would say, my first act in handling anything that matters is to pray, and that God would set fresh conviction in you. It matters who prays, and God grants trampled ground. So let's take that moment. I know that, um, I, I know that Jason said earlier <laughs> that uh, the women don't want to get up. They just want to sit and relax today. I get it. But I'm going to ask you to get up anyway. <laughs> Chris, join me, will you, and just kind of lead a prayer. And if, you, if you'll let me pray this over you, if you're one of the women in the church or the moms in the church, if you would be willing to stand and let us pray this over you, then we want to take a moment for that. And so you stand, and if you bow your heads, and and if you're among the seated, maybe you would join in this prayer uh, over the mom of your children, or your mom that's with you, or maybe you're a son or a daughter, and you'd pray this uh, over over mom. Maybe it's your wife, and you would pray uh, over your wife. And so, Father, I want to offer this prayer uh, over the moms, over the women of our church who would receive this. May you set this in their soul. May this prayer be answered. May be, this be the blessing over their life. I pray that you would be women of prayer. 
that you would be a rebel for God in this godless generation, this godless world. That you would live for Christ in a world that lives for self. That you would cause trouble for Satan and advance the kingdom of God at home, in the church, and wherever God places you on the map. I pray that you would be women of prayer. Make that so, oh God. So that God's word would continually awaken, would awaken you to true wisdom. Lord, every time. They open your word in private devotion, in times of study, in group conversation. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would awaken the word and your wisdom to them. And if you are single, that Christ would be your first love. That you'd leverage your single life for God's work, living pure and on purpose. And that if and when you marry, it would be a man after God's heart. And if you are married, that Christ would be the source of loving your husband and that you would carry a spirit of peace over a spirit of contention into your home. And that if you have children, that, that you would pour into them as your first career, whatever else you do in the marketplace, that your kids would be poured into and prayed over like Mary poured into and prayed over Jesus. God, would you make that so in the lives of singles, married, and moms? See, I pray that you would be women of prayer. That all worry and fear would find rest in God. That any bitterness or wounds would be healed through God. That your sense of womanhood would be formed and fueled by God. And that your life would be blessed under God. Oh God, make that your gracious gift today. And if there is need for second chances, thank you, God, that you give second chances. Right, church? Who is like unto you? What a merciful God. Now help us take full advantage. By the power of your spirit within us, may we live right. Not almost right, but right. And where we stumble, may we be quick to receive your forgiveness. And may we find, dear God, that it matters that we pray. May the words that you have, have modeled through Mary and the words that you have modeled through a Heather praying over her daughter and the insights that you've carried from a Chris into our world from your word. God, may we carry a fresh conviction that it matters that we pray. May we trample new ground and may your kingdom come and will be done on earth yes, as it is in heaven. Yes, and everyone agreed in Christ's name saying, amen.